who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 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 For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Forever. Amen. Forever. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from the trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Psalm 32. God, I thank you for all you do for us and all you give to us, and I pray that as we learn more and more about you, that we can really um, take it to heart and have it affect the way we go about our lives each and every day. Amen. Amen. Before you sit down, Matt has a question for you. <laughs> okay, a question for you to ponder. Uh, first of all, how many of you ever played hide and seek in your lifetime? All right, so you know what I'm talking about. Okay, I want you to think with me uh, about what was your best hiding space ever? Maybe back when you were a kid, what was your best hiding space? Was, Abby, tell me, what was, your, what was your go-to hiding place? Maybe like under the bed. Under the bed. Uh, you just hide under the bed every time? Were there, be, every time, were there yeah. be boxes or things in the way or just? No, I just hope that they just hope, see me. <laughs> hope they don't check. Okay, uh, so think about what was a good hiding place. And what I want you to do is go find someone near you and ask them, hey, what was your best hiding place and share your own? Let's take a minute for that. Thanks, Abby. Wow. I think this is one 
This may be one of our best discussion questions yet. This, this, I think this might be a church where we should have like a church-wide hide-and-seek game someday. Would that be fun? Oh, that would be awesome. And dodgeball. Uh, wow, that's fun. Okay, so, so probably a lot of us can remember a moment in our life where we're playing hide-and-seek and we discovered a good spot and we're like, yeah, this is, this is awesome, you know? Uh, and it's fun when we're playing hide-and-seek. Now, as humans, we have another tendency of a time when we like to go hide, and that's when we get in trouble. I don't know if you can ever remember that as a kid, maybe also another time where, where you got in trouble and you went and ran and hid. And that's the kind of hiding that we're going to be thinking about today is that hiding tendency when we've messed up. Now, we're told in the Bible, all the way back in the book of Genesis, and the original sin, the original thing that went wrong when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, what did they do next? Anybody? They went and hid, right? It's time to hide, and they're going to hide from God. We have that tendency also. Now, hiding from God is not as much fun, right? Not as much fun as hiding from our friends in hide and seek. And it also separates us from God. And the antidote to that is the form of prayer that I'm going to be teaching on today, which is confession and repentance. Now, we are in a series on prayer. And the first week I taught on abiding prayer and just being in the presence of God on a regular basis. And I taught you that prayer journaling exercise. How many people, by the way, have tried that prayer journaling exercise in the last couple of weeks? Ah, oh, that is awesome. That's so good. If, I think there's some more bookmarks um, in the pews somewhere, but that is so, so exciting to hear. Last week, we did adoration and thanksgiving. It's like praise and thanks. And you can still see on the walls are covered with your praise and your thanks to God. And we celebrate that. Today, we're really focusing in on that form of prayer known as confession and repentance, uh, which is sort of the, 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 the antidote to that instinct to just hide ourselves in our own shame. Now, let me uh, uh, try to illustrate that. David, can you come on up? Uh, you can grab this yellow mic. Uh, I want to show you how this functions um, uh, as an illustration uh, of our relationship with God, just also just how this functions in our relationships with other people. So, all right, case scenario, David. Okay. So we're colleagues, and, we, and we, we, we work in the same office. And so let's say one day uh, you bring in, uh, in the morning, some kind of awesome lunch that you're going to plan to eat, uh, and you put it in the fridge. What, what is it? Steak and potatoes. Steak and potatoes. All right. And steak, is it, is it from a restaurant? Did you make it? Yeah. What do you marinate in? What's your secret? No, seasoning, you know, let it sit overnight, cook it in the morning, bring oh, it to work, you know? Not, you cook, oh, you would cook it in the morning yeah. for that? Oh, Put a lot of care into it. That's yeah. intense. And then you go, you go rare, well done? Like, medium rare. Medium rare is the way rare. to go with a little steak sauce okay. on the side. All right, so let's imagine that you've, you've done all that work and you've, and, you've, and you've cooked it perfectly. By the way, this is just an imaginary thing, okay? The thing I'm about to say didn't actually happen. Let's say you put it in the fridge and you're going about working, you're planning to eat it at lunchtime, and you come in to the staff uh, kitchen, you open the fridge, and it's gone. All right, it's gone. And then you look over, 
and I am just finishing up a bite and I put a dish in the sink and I run out. Uh, what, are you, what, are you, what are you feeling right now? I'm feeling hungry and hurt. <laughs> <laughs> hungry and hurt. All right, now, uh, uh, are you going to say something? or? I, I don't know. I feel like I would be like, I, wa- I would want to say something, yeah. but then I'm like just frustrated because I didn't have anything to eat. So, yeah. yeah. But I did. Yeah, maybe, you did. You, you had a good meal. Allegedly. 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 Yeah. Okay. Now that's going to create a little bit of a, of a rift in our relationship, right? If I, if I stole the steak and uh, let's say the next day we're in the lunchroom and he's, he's eating his food. I'm like, Ooh, that looks good. Can I have some? What are you thinking? I would probably reply with like a snarky comment like, ooh, someone wants to ask now. <laughs> or something like that. You know? Yeah. Okay. So at some point, this, this awkwardness of this sort of wrong <laughs> misdeed that I've done is going to be there between us, whether we talk about it or not. And I might have the instinct to like, oh man, I, uh, I don't want to get caught. I don't want to confess this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pretend like it never happened. Let, let's say you bring it up uh, the next day. What, what would you say? Be like, hey, I'm not accusing you, not, not, not saying it was you, but I saw that you had cleaned up something that I brought into the office. Was it you that ate my steak and potatoes that I cooked very hard in the no, morning for? No, what, what wasn't me. Oh, interesting. No. In the house of the Lord? Maybe, I mean, some, some, <laughs> what'd you say? In the house of the Lord? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, sometimes other people look like me. Oh. I mean, there's, interesting. you know, to- Todd's tall. He's um, not there. No, I mean... No, I, no, I bring my own food. Oh, sure you do. Okay, yeah. now that's going to be, if, as long as I'm hiding my sin, uh, that's going to that's create a, a that's going to be a thing. It's going to be a problem, right? So how do we then overcome it? Maybe I'm afraid, oh my gosh, what if he finds out? Ah, like, what's he going to do? But in order to do some repair work, there has to be <coughs> a process. Now, what that is, is the repentance process. Now, the first step of the repentance process is confession. Uh, confession simply means to speak the truth about something, to, to say the same, to, to speak uh, what it is that I have done. <clears throat> so let's say you call me on it and I say, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I ate your steak. So what? Okay, are we good? Nope. We're not good. You gotta give me something okay. more. Now, it's, is it better than it, when I denied it? It's better. It's one step better. One step better. Yeah. One step better. So confession is just the beginning of repentance. To say the truth, yes, I stole your steak. Okay, that's a hard part. It gets the process rolling. It's not done. The next thing I need to do, the second part of repentance is remorse. I need to express remorse. And it's like, hey, man, I stole your steak. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it, you know. I just caved. It looked so good. I caved to my temptation. I, ah, that was messed up of me, man. I'm sorry. So, like, how are we doing now? We're doing better, but I'm still hungry. You're still hungry? Okay, yeah. it's fascinating. <laughs> still, okay, so, so I've, done, I've, conf- I've said the truth, and I've expressed remorse. A lot of people just stop there in relationships. That's where a lot of things break down. We, we, okay, we say the truth, we express remorse. But no, the next part is restitution. Hey, can I... Can I uh, can I cook you a steak tomorrow? Can I, can I go buy a steak and bring it in? Uh, something like that. Yeah, that's, you know, more steps in progress. Yeah, yeah. great. Okay, so, so I've said the truth. I've expressed remorse. 
and, and the restitution, I, I need to get him a new steak, okay? And the fourth piece is, um, and I promise, I won't, I won't steal any more of your food for the rest of the week. For the rest of the week, good start, good start. <laughs> okay, so that's like pledging a new path, right? I'm not gonna do it anymore. And, and that's another place where relationships break down is like, oh, I'm sorry, I feel bad, but then I'm just gonna do it again tomorrow, right? And so you have the four parts of repentance are what? What's the first one? Confession. What's the second one? Remorse. What's the third one? And what's the fourth one? Yeah, yeah, I, we don't have a great word for that, but uh, you do something different, <laughs> you know? Uh, so you, maybe you call it resolve, like to resolve to do differently uh, in the future. So, uh, okay, now if I've gone through all of that, now what I've done, I've done the repentance part. Now the grace, mercy part uh, is a choice for him. What, what are we thinking? You're forgiven for now. Yeah, yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, so uh, let's hear it for David. Thank you. Okay. Okay, so the same thing is true in our relationship uh, with God that sometimes things happen and they, and they come in the way and we have a certain relationship to God, the creator of the universe. We have this covenant relationship. Uh, he's our maker, our redeemer. We, we, we love God. We're loyal to God. We're part of the kingdom of God. And, uh, and when we sin, uh, there's that conversation to be had the same way as if there was sort of a, a break or a rupture in any other human relationship. And our instinct is going to be the same instinct as Adam and Eve hiding from God in the garden. But we have been given the confidence in the character of God such that we can approach the throne and repent in anticipation of grace. The scripture we're going to study today is Psalm 32. So you can grab one of the pew Bibles or pull it up on your phone or follow along on the screen. Psalm 32. And we have, this is a a psalm or a song of David, uh, the King David, who is thinking through his own experience of hiding from God, but also experiencing grace. Okay, it starts with these words. Psalm 32, verse one, it says, blessed is the one, blessed is the one. Some translations translate that word happy, sometimes fortunate, uh, a, a fortunate word. Um, my, my daughter, Hannah, we were walking through a parking lot and she saw a piece of litter and she went over to go pick up the piece of litter to put it in the trash. And guess what the piece of litter was? It turned out to be a $100 bill. It was unbelievable. She's like, oh. <laughs> it's amazing, right? She was like happy the rest of the week. She was like, wow, like the good fortune of, of just stumbling upon this $100 bill. It also carries a sense of contentedness, contentedness and, and peace. Uh, think about uh, your, your, um, your home in the evening, your kids are finally asleep, and you're just relaxing, hanging out uh, with the, the, the peaceful evening. All is right with the world. Uh, it's a moment of contentedness that you might experience at times. I would experience that uh, uh, particularly when my, my kids were younger and they'd finally be asleep and there's no more, it's kind of quiet in the house and uh, Joy would go uh, kind of sit at the piano and just be playing a little bit. I'd read a book beside her. I just thought, ah, oh, like this, I feel blessed in this moment 
of contentedness. So this is this image of blessing. And in particular, the Jewish people regarded this as a, as a gift from God. So when this kind of peace and happiness and blessing comes uh, as a result of, of God's gift to us, we really truly feel blessed. And it's a state that everybody wants to be in. Everybody, all of us want to be in a state of blessedness, happiness. Yes, this is how it is. Now, in the Old Testament, it gives us a number of different uh, ways to, to be blessed. And sometimes, for example, in Psalm 1, which we'll study in a couple of weeks, it says, blessed is the one who walks the right path and does the right thing, right? That leads to happiness and, and blessedness. This one's different. Psalm 32, it says, blessed is the one who has had a particular problem solved. And that's what we're looking at today. Okay. So uh, it gives us three words for the same problem. And in the NIV, which we read earlier, it, it kind of, um, it shows you just two words because it, the way it translates it. You can see the three Hebrew words better in the NRSV. So let's throw that up. Psalm 32, verse one and two in the NRSV. It says, happy are those whose transgressions uh, is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Okay, there's three words for the same problem. It's transgression, sin, and iniquity. And I want to kind of just uh, teach briefly on those three words because they all kind of convey different images, different metaphors for the same essential problem that we have. Okay, the first one, everyone say transgression. transgression. How many times have you used that, you know, in your normal relationships? <laughs> We don't use that word often, so let me explain. Transgression uh, means like rebellion or mutiny, violating of someone's rightful claim. So let's say um, somebody owns land and you just decide you're going to go trespass onto that land and maybe you go and have a party and litter all over their land. You have, you have like desecrated their land. You've, you've rejected their authority and you've just kind of taken it for yourself, right? Uh, the same thing is like a, a, a mutiny aboard a ship where, where the, the shipmates all kind of throw the captain overboard and take over the ship. So it's like a rebellion, a mutiny, uh, a trespass. It's a betrayal of loyalty and the throwing off of authority. Okay, that's transgression. And the psalm assumes that we are transgressors, that we are rebels, and that there is a burden of guilt on us because of our rebellion. That's transgression. Okay, the second word, sin, this is a word we use more often um, in, uh, in church. Uh, and it means, I mean, the actual English word sin originates from an archery term where you're shooting at a bullseye and you, and, and you, you miss, okay, you miss the mark. Uh, it also uh, means like to, to just walk the wrong path. You just went, you just went the wrong way. Uh, it's used often to explain um, a moment of injustice. So you did something bad. You, you wronged someone else. Uh, David, I stole your steak right? That, that's messed up. It's an injustice. It's a sin. 
It's also often used for like an impurity. God is holy, God is pure, and when we live in an impure way, that is sin. That also creates a barrier between us and God. It leaves kind of a stain on us that, that, that distances us from a holy God. Just same way as our rebellion distances ourselves from God the King. Okay, the third word, everyone say iniquity. Okay, we, we probably also don't use that when we're kind of teaching our children. You see, kids, uh, this was an experience of iniquity, right? We don't, we don't use that language, which is why the NIV just uses sin again. But it has its own meaning. So the original word, uh, it, it literally is like bent or twisted. So it describes like corruption, like the corruption of character. So when you do a lot of bad things, it does bad things to your soul. And you end up, your character gets bent and twisted and jaded, and that becomes kind of this who you are on the inside, this iniquity of this, this twistedness. And so you have transgression, you have sin, and you have iniquity. And this is a very big problem. This is something that is in the way between us and God. And Psalm 32 simply expects that we all have this problem. But it says, happy or blessed, content, fortunate, blessed is the one who's had those problems solved, had them dealt with. And it gives us, just like it gave us three words for that problem, it gives us three words also for grace, forgiven, covered, and not counted. The first word it says, it says, blessed is the one whose transgression, remember that's the rebellion, is forgiven. Now the word forgiven in the Hebrew is uh, like the lifting off of a, of a burden. There's a, there's a burden on my back. It could be my, could be my debt. Uh, that I'm carrying my guilt uh, over my rebellion. I'm carrying this, this burden on my back. And then someone just comes and they just lift off that burden off of your back, that you're light and that you're free. Saying blessed is the one who's had their transgression forgiven. The second one, blessed is the one whose sin is covered over, covered over. So there's a stain, there's a black mark. Imagine that you, you got mud all over your clothes from all the junk you've been rolling in. And then someone comes and puts like a spotless clean robe over you that covers up all of that and gives you just this clean, pure appearance. Blessed is the one who's had this experience, who's been wrapped up and covered over their sin. And finally, with the iniquity, it says, blessed is the one to whom that is not counted against them. Or in the NRSV, blessed is the one to whom that is not imputed. It's not reckoned. What it means is that when God looks at us, he no longer would see twisted, corrupted, bent, marred, dirty. He sees clean. He sees straight. He sees strong. He sees right. So you have these three images of grace. God comes to us and he lifts off this burden off of our shoulders. 
And then he covers us over with this like robe or this covering or his own sort of body covering us up so that our sin is not exposed. And then thirdly, he looks at us and doesn't reckon our sins against us. This is the experience of grace. Blessed, happy is the one who's had that experience of grace. Amen? I hope we as Christians have tasted of that experience of grace. And yet, we still have within us that human instinct to hide, right? To hide from God in our shame. Let me show you David has this instinct. He, he, he confesses in Psalm 32 uh, that he didn't always just go straight to God. He had his first instinct was to hide. He said this, when I kept silent, like he, he doesn't speak, he doesn't confess. We, go ahead to the next verse. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. I remember uh, in seminary, uh, we studied Hebrew and then we were, studied, we were being trained to kind of translate the Psalms. And this, this particular verse was really difficult to translate. We came up with all kinds of crazy things. Uh, some people were like, my, my moisture is all gone. <laughs> okay, the next one was like, ah, the vitality has disappeared. My strength has been evaporated. One guy wrote, I've got no juice, <laughs> you know. As we're trying to figure out how to translate this, but what essentially is happening is there's an image of severe dehydration, that, that almost like a, a withered plant, all that kind of liquid moisture is, is gone or so dehydrated. Think of how you feel physically. He's describing that as the emotional, spiritual experience when you're hiding from God. It's crushing to us. And I don't know if you've ever kind of hid something inside, bottled it up. It has an effect on you. And yet we still have this instinct to hide. I remember when my, when my kids were little uh, and they would get in trouble, that would be their instinct where they would go run and physically hide. Okay, when my son Peter in particularly was in preschool, uh, when he was just a, a little guy, he really in particular always would run and hide. So he and, and his older sister, Hannah, would get in. They would be like best friends, worst enemy. They'd be playing, they'd be fighting, they'd be playing, they'd be fighting. But eventually something, you know, would go down and I'd hear, you know, ah, Peter hit me. And I was like, okay, I gotta get, gotta get involved. Okay, and I would say in my dad voice, Peter. And Peter, like three-year-old, four-year-old Peter would like, look up. He'd be like, boom. And he would like take off running, right? And the funny thing was, Peter always ran to the same spot. And I knew it, I knew exactly, because I knew I played hide and seek with him all the time and he always went to his favorite spot, which was in the bathroom behind the door. Only this time, Peter would take off and he would run, he'd go into the bathroom, and he would close the door, he'd lock it, he'd turn off the lights and like huddle down in the corner. Okay, now the funny thing is when you're hiding from someone, if the person watches you hide, <laughs> it's not a very good hiding spot, right? And, and then if you, they see you go in there and they see you turn off the light and the door is locked, that's actually a signal that, well, there's definitely someone in there, right? But he would hide in there and be like, Peter, come out. I'm like, no, quiet. He'd be like, crickets. Okay, now what's happening inside of Peter while he's inside of the bathroom? 
Is he having fun? Is it like the hide and seek game where you're like, oh, I wonder if he's gonna find me. Is he giggling? No, no, my three-year-old Peter is having a miserable time. He's having a miserable time in the bathroom. He's not happy when he's hiding in the bathroom because he's thinking about the consequences. Oh no, I'm gonna be in trouble. Okay, maybe he stole a toy. He's gonna have to give it back, you know, or, or maybe he's gonna have a, lose his treat that night or, or whatever. He's hiding from that and he's afraid and he's feeling guilty and he's feeling miserable. Now, later, as my kids got older, their, their attempts to hide became more sophisticated. They didn't go run and hide anymore. Now they learn to plead self-defense or sometimes to plead temporary insanity. Or uh, particularly my daughter, Hannah, who has just got serious future potential as a lawyer, will sometimes plead mitigating circumstances. It doesn't matter how sophisticated our arguments are, they all simply really boil down to us avoiding having to own up to our wrongdoing. And we do this as grownups, don't we? Don't we do it? We have all these efforts. Oh, no, blah, 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 blah. We're scared, we'll hide. We're scared and we hide. So I think that when my son was in preschool and he was hiding in the bathroom, the number one thing he was hiding from is that hard moment of having to look me in the eye and say the truth about the bad thing that he had done. That's hard, isn't it? Even as grownups, it's, it's a hard thing to do. Now, I'm his dad, and I love him. And yeah, we're gonna have a hard conversation, but at the end of that, he's gonna end up in my arms. And he's gonna be held by me, and he's gonna be loved by me, and absolutely every time, the end result is gonna be he's part of this family, and he's loved by this family. And in just a few minutes later, he's gonna be playing with his sister again but he's got to go through that momentary conversation. But for a while, he would hide in the bathroom and somehow for him to come out of that bathroom, he's going to have to believe some things about his dad. The first thing that he's going to have to believe about his dad is that I will be merciful He's going to have to believe that I have his best interest in mind. He's going to have to believe that his family is going to forgive him and love him, even though he hit his sister. He's going to have to believe that my love for him is bigger than his shame and embarrassment. He's going to have to believe in my character enough that I will shepherd him through that moment in a way that's going to be fair and uplifting to him. And he did. He's not still a three-year-old in the bathroom. He would come out. He would come out and we would go through that process. And if he took a toy, he'd give it back. If he hit someone, he'd say he's sorry. And he'd be received in love and mercy and he would feel blessed. And this is the experience that David describes to us in Psalm 32. I hid, I hid from the Lord. I kept silent and I was miserable. 
But then he tells us, in the midst of my groaning and my misery, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. You see, the three words for sin repeated along with three words for confession, right? I acknowledged my sin. I did not cover it up and I confessed it to the Lord. Now there's a bunch of things that happen in that. There's power in that confession moment. Okay, now the moment in which something is suppressed and hidden in the dark and it's brought to light, even though it's painful, when it's brought to light out in the open, fresh air and light can come in and bring healing. And for a lot of us, we're gonna always feel trapped in our guilt until we experience the grace that comes from saying the truth. And a lot of us are gonna feel addicted to a certain sin that we always kind of keep secret. It has power over us as long as it is a secret. Now, sometimes our confession, if we feel like sometimes, oh, I've confessed this to God a thousand times. I don't know if I really feel forgiven. I don't know if I'm really feeling victory there. I wanna commend to you that you can also bring in a brother or sister in Christ to join you in the prayer of confession. Some of the most powerful experiences in my spiritual life are when I had a brother in Christ come alongside me and, and I could say, hey, listen, you know, I, I, gotta, I gotta get this off my chest. I gotta, I gotta share this. I've, I've shared this with God, but I gotta share it with you too. Like, I messed up. I did, I did this. I said that. I, oh, I feel terrible about it. And have that person hear my confession and pray with me through that repentance process and give me that assurance of grace that DJ, like what DJ shared with us before. This is a very big tradition in the Catholic church to go to a priest and to go to confession with a priest. In the Protestant church, of which we are a part, we believe in something called the priesthood of all believers. That means you are priests. Say, I'm a priest. A A little more conviction. I'm a priest. Okay. That means you could actually play that role for one another. You could could hear a brother or sister's confession and, and pray with them, walk them through the repentance process, like what I'm describing, what I would do with one of my kids. And then you, you, you pray with them and then you speak the grace over them and remind them, you know what? You are forgiven. When I've had someone do that for me is the times where two things have happened. Number one, I felt grace. It wasn't just a theological concept. I believed it. I believe I'm forgiven. I hear someone else you know, hear me and, and say it. And number two, I feel more freedom from sin. Sometimes it breaks the stranglehold that that sin has over us. So I commend to you confession to God and also confession to a trusted brother or sister. It breaks the power that sin has over us. So the agony of guilt that, uh, that David is feeling uh, when he actually brings it before God turns into a fountain of joy. The pain, the darkness, the wasting away turns into a fountain of praise and worship. He says, you forgave me. You forgave the guilt of my sin. Wow. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. And then listen to this. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Did did, did you catch it? Did you catch it? 
What is humanity's natural instinct? What did Adam and Eve do when they sinned? What'd they do? They went and hid from who? They hid from God. And that's all of us in our own shame, in our own feelings of guilt. We all wanna hide from God. And David is testifying to us through this song that God is merciful, he is, can be trusted, and when he confessed, he experienced grace and mercy, and now God has become his hiding place. God is now the place he hides in. God is the one he runs to. He doesn't run away, he runs to. He's the hiding place that will keep him safe from all harm. Everyone say, God is my hiding place. God is our hiding place. We hide now in him. And now may the God who sees all see you. And may you receive his sight, not in fear, but in celebration and joy, knowing that your sin is forgiven and covered over and not counted against you. And may it be a fountain of joy for you all your days. And now may the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Go in peace. Come back 1010 at 10.